like my my myself was way outside of my brain and it was like sending it was like had a coffee can with my brain oh, and it was sending like messages that way it was like all right this is what's happening this is what's going to happen this is what you need to do and I was like Night has enveloped Austin, Texas a while ago, and it's only like 6.30 because it's autumn, getting into deep autumn in Austin, Texas. It was chilly today. I'm wearing flannel. It's rumpled and wrinkled, a little like my life. We'll get into that later. Uh, welcome to episode 181 of One Magical Hour, a Matthew and Schaefer podcast spectacular. It's been a while. I hope we remember how to podcast. It, as it was prophesied in recent episodes, the back porch is no more. The concrete has been busted up and taken off in a dumpster. Uh, holes have been dug pretty soon. The awning will be gone that where we used to podcast is no more. So this is really like a new day for the cast. Um, things change, things change. Um, I'm here at the Ivy covered Casa with my podcast ride or die. Um, you know him, we're switching it up. It's Schaefer Hall. All I want to do is talk to you. And I got a feeling Matthew does too. All I want to do is talk with you. And I got a feeling so does Matthew. All I want to do is talk with you. I got a feeling Matthew does too. All I want to do is catch with you. Until the sun comes up on the east side of Austin, Texas. Otherwise, the porch is ours. The commuter rail and the truck that drives on it too. The sun and the moon, the sun, the casa and the ivy. And all I want to do is catch with you. I got a feeling, so does Matthew. All I want to do is catch with you. I got a feeling. So does Matt. All I want to do. Nice. Dang. I, I love Cheryl Crow. First thing. I love that song. I don't know. Is that a, um, is that like a guilty pleasure or something? Like, oh, no. I don't think it is. Loving Cheryl I think Crow. I, 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 is that something you that you share? Musician, you know, do you share with other people that you like Cheryl Crow? I, I used to think it was a guilty pleasure. Like, you know. It's just one of those things where very few pleasures have to be guilty anymore because everybody understands that different people like different things. Okay. But also, like, talk to any musician. That sounds you that, real end of times. Talk to talk to any musician and they'll tell you that Cheryl Crow's a great musician, writes great songs. Okay. Sure. Plays great rhythm guitar. Her, if you can learn to play rhythm guitar along with those Tuesday Night Music Club songs, you will become a better guitarist. Right? Okay. Like forcing myself to learn some of those songs on YouTube made me just made me better, like helped me level up much faster. Okay. So right. yeah, so she's great. She's she writes great songs, you know, they you know, sold what I she like by any by any parameter, you know, any way you use to judge, she's done she's she does well. So yeah, no guilt here. I feel validated right here. <laughs> right here at the start of episode 181. The world's like, stop the presses. Two 50-year-old white guys like Shell Crow? Really? <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm going to start telling people it's a Cheryl Crow podcast. <laughs> How about you? What do, you? do you have any pleasures that you think might be guilty? Or in... I mean, I feel guilty about all my pleasure. But... <laughs> <laughs> But I think it's because I was raised in a you know a hardcore Baptist home. Sure. So I uh, at the same time I do plan to try to enjoy with the remainder of my life, and I feel like I've done a a right good job of enjoying the first forty something years. And I think it's good that the world is learning that like just because you like something or don't like something else, you shouldn't look down on somebody else for. Liking or not liking the right things. I'm glad that you feel like that's how the world's going because on Twitter I see it. <laughs> I see it differently. I see everyone being castigated for every uh, proclivity that they have. Yeah, I'm talking. But, about, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm talking about on. the young people haters. Here. Gonna hate. Oh right, right. Yeah, of course. And not just trolls on the internet. You're not talking about the society of trolls on the internet. Speaking of internet trolls, I have a hypothesis. Okay, I have a few. Uh, this, I, is, this is, I didn't even set up the robot. What is I going? have a few hypotheses what is today. wrong with me? Um, <laughs> I was thinking about Elon the other day, you know, and love him or hate him. This isn't going to be, this isn't going to be oh, a judgment boy. Oh, boy. on go. Elon's character. Here I'm not go. worried about it. Like maybe gonna, you, maybe you like him, maybe you hate him. That's fine. Are you fan, going to fanboy out on Elon? Right I'm now? not going to fanboy. No, okay. I, I don't. Okay. Um, I think that most of the rich neo-capitalists probably have some various things to be accountable for. Okay. Like, you know, and I know like some of them do a lot of... Uh, <laughs> That's such a diplomatic way of saying I mean, it's just the way it is. Like, I know a lot of them do some good things, and they also do some bad things. And, you know, history will tell or maybe won't tell, you know, where they ended up, how that how that balanced out in the great logbook of life, but I was thinking about, I was listening to Make Me Smart, the podcast with Kai Rizdahl, you know, it's a, it's a spinoff of uh, the, the finance show on uh, Marketplace. Marketplace. Yeah. It's a spinoff of Marketplace. Oh, I thought it was Marketplace, the show about dogs. There's Marketplace too. Yeah. Okay. Go on. Uh, <laughs> thanks. Did you know that Andrew sent me the file for Marketplace? I could play it. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, on Make Me Smart podcast spinoff of Marketplace, they were talking about SpaceX and how SpaceX is doing really well, you know, but, but because all of these places like countries and corporations need to send up, uh, need to send up satellites into orbit. Um, so just at least on paper, like once again, however you judge these things, on paper, uh, SpaceX is doing very well financially. And but it was funny because I was sitting there in the car listening to it, and at first, for the first time, it occurred to me, you know, Elon bought Twitter and changed the name to X, and then he's got this company SpaceX, and I know like everybody seems to think that buying Twitter was some kind of a weird, you know out of the blue sort of thing, this ego move that didn't make any sense. Why was he doing it? Yeah. And, uh, you know, he also, he wanted to call PayPal X. I didn't, I did not but know. The, but they said, but the investors said no. So maybe he has a thing for X, but he's got a kid named X. Or it starts with X. In my mind, I thought it would be interesting, you know, and I, I have a kind of a sci-fi inclined mind. Uh, oh, we know if you are a techno optimist. I was wondering if maybe he's playing a long game and he's going, he bought Twitter because he knows that eventually he's going to need to solve the problem of communicating across the solar system. Uh -huh. like okay. Everybody knows that this is a big problem, right? You know, yes. You know, if you solve the problem of getting there, yeah. you know, there's, there's not, you'll never talk to earth again. There's not a, <laughs> Yeah. There's not phone lines between here and Mars. Uh -huh. So anyway, yeah, this is this is entirely speculation. But I was like, maybe I was thinking about the fact that it's called X, and then there's the SpaceX. Maybe that's going to be, he's going to use that as some sort of a sort of a intersolar system communication. Sort of, I don't know. Uh, 
Let me your, counter your techno optimism with a little techno uh, <laughs> doubtfulism. Um, let me ask you this, Jafy. Uh-huh. So there's they SpaceX, uh-huh. other companies, uh, satellites are being sent up into space at an alarming rate. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, Elon's got that whole Skynet thing where he's providing broadband internet to remote locations with satellites, right? Yeah. And I think we're going to have a situation where there's so much space trash, it's going to be very dangerous to get uh, space flights out of Earth's orbit. Like, there's just going to be so much, so many objects up there that we're going to, like, trap ourselves on Earth um, from from satellites and other space junk and satellites that have been decommissioned and, and nuts and bolts that are just flying through space. Yeah. I'm a little concerned about that. It like some of it seems a little, um, well, I mean, everybody's in a race to like have the best satellite, uh, services and, and whatnot. And there's just going to be too many satellites up there. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Have you heard any concern over space junk? Oh, no, I definitely, yeah, I understand. Yeah, yeah and I, yeah. Like, yeah the, what goes up, you know, always eventually comes back down. Right. Um, so that's, but I also think that that's a, a problem that can be addressed. And it's, you know, that's one of those things where addressing that problem is probably going to lead to some other interesting innovations. And, you know, it's something that's going to have to happen eventually. Sure. But, you know. And add it to the list of all of our problems. Um, right. Well, should we make a list? <laughs> yeah, we should. should we, we should. should. Somebody should, should. Should we do it right here? And no. somebody should. Somebody should. Uh, should prioritize that list. See what you know needs to be needs to happen immediately, and what what can wait till for twenty years, and what can wait for fifty years. But um, yeah, it's all stuff that you know. And this, what drives me crazy is that. It, there's money in it, you know? For somebody like who's willing to play a long game, there's money in climate change, there's money in you know You when you said Elon's playing a long game, like I'm almost certain that he is Earth's next big supervillain. <laughs> and I do think he's playing a long game and we'll have to there'll have to be some hero that uh, takes him down. Some people think that he's the hero. Are you ready for another hypothesis? Yes. I'm, I'm sorry. Next hypothesis, I'll try not to be so That's doubtful. That's fine. No, I just respond to, respond to the hypotheses. I, I listened to the dollop on Elon. It was a two-parter. Uh-huh. And um, his early life certainly reads like a supervillain origin story. <laughs> He's definitely got the so kind of a background of a character that might lead to like, you know, somebody trying to get world domination and maybe not having everyone's best interest at heart, you know. Uh, well, I guess I recommend that episode of The Dollop to anyone. <clears throat> we'll see. Okay, hypothesis number two. Hypothesis number two. I was thinking, you know, these are the things that I think about usually when I'm driving driving around in my car, you know, and have some some time to myself. Is that driving and crying? Why? You know, there's this kind of cliche or meme or tradition, whatever you want to call it, um, in our culture and in a bunch of other cultures too. Humanity. Where do you think the folk story or the of the monster under the bed came from? The monster under the bed. Yeah. Ha. Huh. I don't know. Why do you think the first person talked about a monster being under the bed? It's the origin of that story. What's the origin of that story yeah. you're asking? Okay, yeah. No, I don't know. I don't know. But is it terrifying? I don't know. It seems like it could be, sure. Okay, go ahead. Uh you know, there's there's the bed is a dark space that you can't see. Underneath the bed mm. is a dark space that you can't see. Uh-huh. So it makes sense that you would make up some stories about it. Uh, but also, 
I was talking with Adam about this at the bar today. Adam said, you know, they're probably like, you know, in the old, more olden times, there's probably any sort of rats or whatever could be running around under there. And that might make you start talking about a monster being down there. But I was thinking of, I was also thinking of olden times. And I was thinking about when entire families would live in one cottage, you know, and maybe it's just got two or three rooms. And I was thinking, what if the mother and father of that family unit had a particularly physically active, intimate life? And, you know, there's not much room. So, you know, somebody's uh, knocking around on the bed. Everybody in the room knows it. Maybe... Maybe a young kid asks, like, "Wait, are you saying everybody's sleeping in the same room? Sleeping in the same room, or sleeping like right next to you know? Yeah, probably. Right. I see. Uh-huh. If the if the parents are being intimate, especially if they're being uh, gymnastically intimate, then they're probably in the other room, and maybe the kids are sleeping all, you know, in in around the hearth, you know, uh-huh. in the in the main room or something like that. Who knows? But Gymna- point is, gymnastically intimate. Yes. Lots of people, small place. Uh-huh. Maybe, you know, the six-year-old is like, what was all that pounding I heard the other night? Or why did I, why did I hear the bed knocking against the wall? Or I was wondering if there could be a particularly cheeky mother and father who had wanting to, wanting to put them off the, uh, off the trail of their, this particular investigation might say, oh, well, that's the monster under the bed. Huh. The monster comes up knocking and... Knocks the bed all over the place. It's very scary. Don't worry. We defend. We defend you guys from the monster. That's that's what all that knocking around is. You hear, is us fighting the monster under the bed to keep you guys safe. Uh huh. I like that. And that was the first monster under the bed story. <laughs> Did now wait. This is just your hypothesis. Yeah, this no, is something no, that I made up. No folklore research. No, I, I tried to, I googled it to see if maybe just somebody was like, oh yeah, that's true, Schaefer, you got it exactly right. And I did not. Hmm. There is, I, I, the first thing I found was a history of that monster under the bed. And it says, you know, many children fear it, the monster, it's a variation of a, the boogeyman, which has existed for centuries in various guises all around. It's likely that the boogeyman legend originated simply as a behavior deterrent for children. Hmm. If you keep listening at the door, the boogeyman's going to come take you away. Right. Child, child doesn't go to bed, so the boogeyman just kind of ended up underneath the bed. And in a lot of countries have the sack man who takes misbehaving children away in a sack. Oof. France has le coquet maton, <laughs> the hand cruncher. Oh. Okay. And Belgium has Udruj Uden, which translates as old red eyes. Oof. Why are the children afraid? The world is a scary place for children. If you start to, between four and five years old, child's imagination becomes more vivid. They under, start to understand abstract concepts such as fear, but have trouble distinguishing fact from fantasy. So, yeah, and that all makes sense. That, you know, and, you know, it doesn't answer my question. But both things could be true. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and perhaps we'll never know. But uh, so maybe. Uh, when you were describing it, like, you know, like I can see trying to get your kid to stay in the bed. It's like a security system. You yeah. Know, because yeah. You, you, you're absolutely right. That makes in ter- sense. In yeah. terms of like defining kids' behaviors, because. Oh, you're I, absolutely my, right. My that is definitely it. So it's like it's difficult. It's like stay oh, in that bed, or the monster in the yeah. bed will get you if you yeah. if you even and put then, one foot out of that give, bed. And then you give them that makes you know, way more sense. A bear. Sure. They have a bear with them, a teddy bear. Yeah, you know, and that's protecting them as long as they're in the bed. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I know. Getting my kids to stay in their beds was was an epic battle. Did you ever? Did you ever fall upon the? Uh, Monster is a. I think that my kids are skeptical, you know, and just savvy. Like they would be like, "No, that's that's good. not." I mean, I certainly tried to rule with a little bit of terror, but I, <laughs> I was unable to really put the fear of anything in them. Oh, that's good. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, 
that will serve them well later in life. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so because it's it's served us difficultly. More, hi- more hypothesis. Wait, let me get it. Hypothesis time with Shafi. I got an email today, Matthew. Okay. Oh, wait, this is a different segment? 4.06 p.m. Okay. It came finally to my inbox. Okay. Tell the listeners. What is it? What this says. Oh. <laughs> Enroll now. You're invited to join AARP. AARP. <laughs> Now, wait, is that because you turned 48? <laughs> I guess That's, so. Huh. Whatever it is, I've gotten close enough to it. I don't know when when it, when it, when it officially... I mean, wow. 65 is retirement age these days, right? Um, yeah, yeah, 65. Uh-huh. So what or I want to know, Matthew, or something. when do those Social Security checks start rolling in? I mean, I think you have to retire for them to start rolling in. Oh. You know? I don't think just because you join AARP. No. But that's just a money grab, just trying to get younger retirees. You don't just get it for just being old? I mean, do they assume that some of our peers have achieved the American dream where they're retired at 50? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Well, that's definitely a. Uh, I mean, I oldness. I am resigned to the fact that working at the front page is my retirement. That's as close as I'm ever going to sure, get. Sure, sure. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so have you even paid into the Social Security system? I mean, yeah, sure. Various right. times. Okay. I definitely right. have. Yeah. Okay. Uh, um, I've been on the. Uh, I've had right. lots of jobs that took federal, in, federal income tax. Right. Um, I definitely have. Yeah, yeah. I've I've been seeing some signs of the that too. Um, I I did a I did like th- like three things just happened in the last couple of days that really point to aging. Tell for me, me. tell Amy, me. About- well, really, the first one, Amy pointed it out. I uh, my headphones for my iPhone are kind of crapping out. Like uh-huh. the, the the buttons don't work. They don't turn it up and down or stop the podcast anymore. And yeah. people tell me they can't hear me very well. They're getting a little beat up. And so I went on Amazon and ordered some. And I did it in a bit of a rush. And I the price was ridiculous. It was They were $8.99. So I should have known they weren't like <laughs> Apple made headphones. $8.99 is you know? and they too come, cheap. They come in this like little plastic bag that has all these like you know <laughs> sort of odd translations on them and, and then they they felt cheap and they were weird i guess they've also sort of changed the shape of the earbud and these were like the new shape that amy was like you just ordering cheap stuff that you didn't mean to that feels like you're turning into a real geezer and then like the very next day i was uh I was taking a check to the bank and I called her about uh, if she had seen these checks, my business checks come in. And she was like, you know, you can do all that online. You don't have to take a paper. If you need to move money between accounts, you don't have to. And I was like, oh, yeah. Okay. She's like, that's strike two. And then today we're, we're in that we're doing a remodel. And we're, our kitchen is an annex across the street. It's our neighbor's garage apartment. And our neighbor, Joel, he's 75. And Joel was helping me move a few things out today. And the, the place has concrete floors, okay? And I've come, I got to come over there in the morning to fix breakfast. And it's cold. Uh-huh. So I've got my house shoes over there. Yeah. And we moved this, some of the stuff that Joel still had in there. And then he... He was leaving to go into his house and he goes, oh, let me, let me take my shoes. And he reaches down to pick up the house shoes. And I was like, oh, those are mine. And then he looked down at his feet and realized he was wearing his sort of <laughs> moccasin style house, house shoes. shoes. 
I knew when I got these house shoes that I was crossing a line. <laughs> and and I'd been wanting some house shoes for a while, but they all look like a geezer, you know? Like, there's no, like, street smart skater style house shoe, really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I, look forward to, some, I look forward to getting that email as well. How about some Uggs? You know what, some Uggs? These are basically like Uggs. They're like high top moccasins with, like... Um, fur inside or faux fur inside. I like it. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. I'm embarrassed about it. I can't believe I told it on the podcast. So there's, I've got a, I've got a happy story that's going in the opposite direction. I'm really excited to report that today I had heard there's been talk of my dad getting a smartphone. Okay. Um, (laughs) that, That would be an event. Yeah. He was a flip phone. Man, a flip phone devotee. Yeah, definitely. I I was for a long time too. I was until I was in school to learn coding, (laughs) and then and I'd forgot my laptop, and they were like, "Oh, you can just use your phone." And I was like, "Flip!" And then I was I I was made fun of by the class. (laughs) This was seven years ago. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sorry. Go on. Dad got us my most mostly for the. Uh, for the GPS and map functions, uh-huh. but also like he really didn't want to miss out on like pictures of the kids and stuff like that. Yeah. But the exciting thing was I wasn't sure, like I heard that it had happened. So today when I saw that Rice University was playing University of Texas, San Antonio, which my brother graduated from Rice and dad got his master's at UTSA. So I texted both of them and I, I said, I said, oh, it's it's dad versus Richard tonight when UTSA plays Rice. And the first thing back from dad hall, I didn't even have this one on my radar. <laughs> and then the next text is just my brother, dad, you're texting. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, I've been dragged into the 21st century. So, uh, well, uh, great for Dr. Hall. It was really fun. Like, um, I, I just like, I was smiling inside to see, you know, I'm, he'll probably enjoy it. Him crack a joke. Yeah. For the, for the three of us to be able to crack jokes, you know, just, on, just like and my sister too. And other, you know, other people, just like everyone else, he's undoubtedly going to, um, you know, have a terrible like device addiction in no time. <laughs> uh, is it Patsy? <laughs> yeah. Patsy's his wife. Patsy's going to be saying, "Grant, put that <laughs> device down. It's dinner time. It's dinner time. No devices at the table. Yeah, uh, he won't. He won't have a problem with that. He doesn't have an addictive personality like that. You don't. Know, uh, <laughs> it's not going to be a." Downloading Pokemon Go anytime soon and running around searching for a Charmander. <laughs> that trying, that, to, trying that, to catch that Pikachu in his world of augmented reality. That is a hilarious. <laughs> but would they be on the ranch? I mean, he lives on private property. Yeah, would there be Would there be Pokemon there? I thought I, they would be more in public places. I mean, aren't they? Are I they, don't know how that game not, works. You know, computer generated or whatever. I would assume that. They would just be in your vicinity. Yeah, uh, okay. I don't. I don't know if there are any Pokemon's. On. I can see him out on the ranch. Out at, at Mountain Pasture. He, are, he's a, he, you know, down below the house there, he built that like um, uh, troll or, or uh, the elf like seat. You know, yeah. Like he, I mean, he's he's playful. You yeah, know? yeah, definitely. Uh, hmm. <laughs> Watch out for the video games, Doctor Hall. They're they're dangerous. Well, he's very uh, very adamantly opposed to video games. Oh, good. But I, you know, maybe he just never had the right interface. Maybe you know, so. Like, yeah, I didn't like video, I didn't like video games until I tried VR. I've only done a little bit of VR. I can see myself totally. Losing, I actually losing myself. I gave a ride to a guy who was a programmer for Oculus VR. Oh. Um. And we were talking about that, and uh, I was telling him that, you know, my niece has been having a lot of fun with it. My, my niece, uh, Alice Grace's 
is not she's not always the most social you know uh-huh. necessarily if you know she's not she's, she's not standoffish or you know mean or anything like that but she just isn't is you know a bit shy not a, you know not kind of as talkative but she has this game where uh you put on the headset and you become a gorilla Oh. And you go stamping around, and that's and like she gets on there, and she's like animated, and like I think it's cool. It's gonna be interesting to see how this uh, virtual reality and augmented reality helps people who don't necessarily people who would be. And my 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 niece is not one of these cases, but people who uh, you know have a, like a profound you know social problem, you know see how that can help them in the same way that, you know, like putting a costume can help a, you know, an autistic child, you know, break, you know, break physical boundaries and stuff. I think it's, and I, so I was asking the guy in my car, he said, he said, yeah, 100%. There's all sorts of amazing mental health, but also physical health, like creating, you know, worlds in which people can exercise and stuff, you know, all sorts of pretty cool things going on. Really excited about it. Yeah, I like that. It just uh, it it feels like a slippery slope to losing touch with nature. <laughs> yeah, and, and reality. I mean, I you know, I and think- I know that once they trot out the slippery slope arguments, that like it's it's BS. At least in the political realm, like when when politicians are trying to scare you with this slippery slope, you yeah. got to kind of be doubtful of that, and so. I'm sure that my fears about that are just that they're just fears and which like in like 90% of my, the rest of my neurotic life, when I'm concerned about something, it like works itself out anyway. So uh, maybe it's no problem. Um, You know, I mean, they thought television was going to be the death of books and you know, it wasn't. (laughs) Okay. Close, but yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Radio. Yeah, I'm considering becoming a techno optimist. I'm hoping to get the uh, the email where the techno optimists are are ready for me to register. Hey, sign up. Come on over to our side. I mean, just optimism in general is much much more fun way to be. So, what else? Let me see. Let me check my notes here. Honestly, man. For the first part of my life, I was a little negative, but I have been trying to harness the power of positivity in the last 15 years. I love it. And I think it's helping me. Go on. It looks like you... In the last three years since this podcast started? It's definitely getting better and better, my optimism, I think. I hope hope that One Magical Hour does preach techno-optimism. Maybe at least see why why you don't have to only be negative about it. Yeah, so like if you look at the media, man, it's just people seem to be. Do you think it's true? I read somewhere that, uh, and I, I was talking with the same guy about, uh, or no, it was a different guy. I picked up a guy who was an engineer uh, at UT. He's in the doctoral program, and he does. He's an engineer working on software for machine learning. Okay. Anyway, so I brought, and it was just after they announced that Biden's thing about how about how they're going to require corporations or and governments to let people know if their AI has gone rogue. Oh, okay. Did you see this? That's like, the wording is so like, that's the political solution. It's a regulation. You have to, you have to, you're going to get an email and tell everybody that, that, uh, Oh, Oh, if you're the creator of it. Yeah. I see. Wow. (laughs) That's really, uh, Dumb. Well, yeah, it's so silly. And yeah, falls so short they, of doing anything. Don't really know. Yeah. Just like every other. Solution. There's no definition to what rogue even means. And but no, but I heard a rumor. Pretty somebody, sure it's already rogue. And you know, and it might have been just somebody making a joke, but somebody said it's because Biden had seen the most recent Mission Impossible, and the enemy in that is a rogue AI. Oh yeah, funny. <laughs> I don't know. Totally don't know if it's true or not. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> like, oh yeah, we got to do something about this. 
<laughs> this podcast is a rogue AI. I'm going to crack the joke about how Joe Biden does all his own stunts. Like, could we just now feed the podcast to AI and then just have AI continue our podcast? I, you know. Where would that go? Have you messed around with any of that stuff at all? No. I have. And the the problem is that it immediately, like, the way that it works is to take everything and find the exact median, you know? So everything comes out very bland. Milk test. You know, they could... I, a, I could definitely take all of our podcasts and create something that sounds just like us uh, and talks about the things that we talk about. Okay. But it, it, it would be pretty obvious immediately that there was okay. pretty pouring. And, yeah. Well, I've looked at a lot of AI images and they all... Well, kind of weird, right? Kind of weird, yeah. And that's, you know, that's, that's all going to change. They're going to start perfecting it and it's going to be impossible to tell. And it's, but it's kind of cool. Like for all of the bad stuff, just like everything for all of the bad stuff that people can do with it, there's going to be a whole ton of stuff that's great that people can do with it. Okay. And all right. Things that are going to, you know, help people who have problems, help people health wise, help people psychologically create more wonderful, more exciting things. Uh, but this kind of fits in with our conversation about, Reality and the lack what's, thereof. What's reality and what's fiction? Uh-huh. Have you seen? This is not an avocado review. I haven't watched one second of it, but I'm in a tailspin. Have you seen this? I think it's an Amazon thing where there it's a reality show based on the James Bond movies. No. Yes. But I would. Uh, it's like a Doctor No. But I would. But I would like to see that right now. Can we watch that right, right after I the podcast? Know. I can't decide. It's it's hosted by by uh, Logan Roy, Brian Cox, the guy from the guy who's the dad on Succession. Okay, uh, I'm not familiar with. You know if you saw him. Okay, uh, famous actor, uh, character actor. But uh, yeah, it's like people like traveling so, around. So they there, have to. They're a group of. Like, it's real agents. people. Yeah. Doing and they get they get clues that take them around the world and they have to and then they have to do like oh wait now wait wait okay you you're saying reality show in my mind it was a dating show <laughs> okay it was a da- like I was thinking of a dating reality show you're talking about a show like uh, the the greatest race or whatever well, yeah it was. The- it's like that yeah which one I use the I use the term reality and this this is kind of my whole point here. The what first leaped to my mind is that like James Bond is such wonderful fiction, and I like it that way. That is exciting fiction. You know that James Bond's not real, and you know that there's not a world where uh, there's like a gang of all female circuit retired circus acrobats running a worldwide smuggling ring, or you know, like like all of this stuff. It's Part of James Bond's delight delight for me is it's total fictional. The fact that it's totally it's totally imagined, yeah. it's totally uh, out there and and wild in a way that reality can't be. Um, so, to me, taking it and imposing this fake idea of reality on top of it. It's just really upsetting to me. And like, what becomes real? And this whole thing is entirely produced and fictionalized anyway. So what are they, they're presenting as reality isn't reality. And they're, and it's based on you haven't seen an episode anyway. No, I haven't never seen an episode. Okay. Okay. (laughs) But just the whole idea of it is like, kind of send me into a tailspin today is like, what, at what point do we just lose our, lose our minds about, what what is reality and what's not, and why the fact that they call these shows reality shows, I think, is a total bizarre misnomer too. Yeah, and yeah, and I want my fiction. I want fiction. I want imagination, and you know, strange. We, we things do live in a time where people aren't really into fiction. 
No, yeah, it's all and, this and and it's all this every, fake reality. Everything has yes. to have this veneer of being a real experience. Even they even shoot movies like that now, where it's like a handheld camera. You know that all changed. Reality shows changed the way we perceive entertainment a little a little bit. Yeah, I like fiction too. Right. I like a novel. I like I like this idea that somebody came up with this all this whole story in their head and but there's this other narrative of people not uh, people who can't get into it because it's just i've heard people say this i can't get into it because it's just some it's just from somebody's imagination and i'm like yeah yeah like the lord of the rings like the everything (laughs) in there that came out of J.R.R. tolkien's imagination and he just wove in like all this mythology and and made these uh languages and everything like just just made them up and, and i think that's a, amazing and don't you know, like this this concept is all you know there's the the concept of historical fiction has been around since you know homer or <laughs> who was it who wrote beowulf anonymous uh the concept of historical historical fiction is not new and i I, you know, I fully support that as an outlet for imagination. Well, and and then, you know, understanding the the nature of reality through myths is like an important part of our our development and our communication systems, right? Like um are things are things going haywire? No. Bar? Okay, no. good. Yeah. Okay. Um Things are going haywire on on the gridiron. Did you see what I was pointing at? No, I didn't. Because you, you, the TV is facing you. There was a big for me to talk to you. I have to turn away. The UT quarterback threw this big pass. It was like a thirty-five yarder. It was intercepted by a TCU player. He ran it back about twenty-five yards the other direction. And as I was just tackled, he fumbled it. UT recovered it. Uh, First and first and ten. UT uh, folks. We're going to have to wrap this baby up a little early <laughs> tonight. We'll try to get another one out to you soon. Let me make sure there's nothing. I don't have anything else to say. Um, oh. we Listen, we have as much time as you need for the things that you need to say. <laughs> I'm, always, I'm always down for a slightly shorter cast. Uh, <laughs> Is that a quote from the listener? I think... Uh, I think this is just the right length of, uh, I was listening to the, uh, Jonathan Seth of, uh, yeah, dude. Uh huh. And I wish Jonathan, just the way he grew up, he has every silly thing that he ever wrote down in a notebook. Okay. You yeah. know? Yeah. Which include like his reggae period, like writing reggae lyrics <laughs> yeah. or writing religious reggae poetry. And dude, is that <laughs> that's a very similar experience as so I have? He dusts it off, and it's hilarious. And I was thinking about it, and I was, you know, like the closest, you know, I could, I could get my hands on. I just, I wish I had everything that I've ever written. Like some of the stuff I wrote in high school, like I, for some reason, I don't have any of that. For a long time. It was in like one of Jameson's uh, like Rubbermaid bins or something. And then he found it and he gave it back to me. This this one black binder that was just jammed full of my writing. And gosh, it was just cringe. My like cringe. My goth. It was like a combination goth and like contemporary sci-fi sort of thing. <laughs> like people like taking these like mental augmentation pills that allowed them to see ghosts and like, wow. like guys having, and there's like failed relationships and the guys having relationships with ghosts. I, I wrote some hilarious stuff that I wish I could read to you guys, but wow. I don't know where any of that is. <clears throat> um, I probably could find some stuff from college, but at that point it's like, none of it's good, but at least I, I had, enough of a understanding to not 
write stuff that was totally terrible. So it's it's kind of just it's just bland. Like it's not good enough to be good, but it's not bad enough to be funny. Uh, Oof, that's a tough. That's a, that's a tough category, right? And that's that's college for me. That's fine. That's that's when I was learning. Sure. And then pretty much after that, I've saved everything because I started to write. You know what I thought were some pretty good poems. Right. Those I still have, but I thought something, and I don't know if I've done this on the podcast before. I can I can recite for you the first two poems that I ever wrote. We have we have done this. Oh, we have. Yes. Oh, well, never mind then. Darn it. <laughs> They're great. <laughs> but that, that was a pro, maybe only 10 episodes ago. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Recently. <laughs> it's pretty recent. It's pretty recent. If you want to know exactly where it is, talk to Nicholas. Yeah. Um, you're going to be mad at me because uh, we're doing this remodel and I'm I'm having to purge. We've been in this house 12 years and I've been holding on to stuff, all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I came across like all these spiral notebooks that's mostly my notes from mm. college oh. just notes and notes and notes i was a note taker man and i i got rid of them oh I, you really i should. mean it's it's 25 years like why am i keeping all that stuff and and then there was this one notebook where i was writing this story about about waiting tables and and the hierarchies within the the restaurant service system and and how the bus boys hope to be waiters and the waiters hope to make manager and <laughs> yeah it was really it was super cringy and oh if those I, kids only I, understood i threw it away i like i feel at some point like never my never work is only interesting to uh, from like a certain point on like like i feel like my at this point like any of my artwork that was made before like 2005 maybe is like I don't know. I just I still have like folders and folders and folders of drawings, you, you know. But um, you know what this podcast has really done? It is it has almost completely shut down me making physical art. <laughs> like like all of my. But I'm no. I mean, it's not just like this is my creative outlet. Yeah, and, and which is also like leading into this whole like pursuit of doing stand-up comedy and stuff yeah yeah like that's it's that all comes from the same place so yeah. part part of the core of this podcast is about creative endeavors and and if you had I, more I've, time I've, you might make more art of right? course yeah. of course if i was let's let's say it like this because i'm coaching baseball <laughs> i'm not making any physical art and but I, I but i have been having the desire to lately and this has always happened through my artistic life is like, I'll go be going down one path and other paths will fall away. And, yeah. And, yeah, sure. And that it's all coming from the same creative spirit. I, I definitely want to, I definitely think this podcast is worthy of like Absolutely. three years of my creative creativity and time. It's yeah. not nothing, you know? And if you're, if you're, I, I, I was with a guy, Last night, T- Stafford, we, went to, we coached baseball together and he took me to the basketball game and uh-huh. we were just getting to know each other a little bit more. And, you know, I, he's a, went to UT and, and he's got, he did civil engineering. And I said, yeah, you know, I, I got my f- fine arts degree and he didn't even know that. He didn't know I was an artist. And he said, you still make art? And I was like, yeah, man, yeah. of course. Like, that's my life making yeah. art. And. And, There's uh, so many different kinds of ways to make art. Also, a lot of my creativity is in my job now too, sure, with like yeah. marketing for the new company and everything I've done for that with the website and 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 then yeah. the, uh, the I'm doing these vendor presentations and the writing of of all of that, like the writing of the presentation and the crafting of this message and everything like that. That takes all that same creative juice. You know that I would use, but definitely, if I had more time, I would. Part of the my working process is like getting in a certain headspace and being alone and being right there with the the painting and it and it and being able to like pour my emotions and work out things in the paintings. And when I'm just with my kids all the time, I like I don't have that time. I I don't have that space. And if you're visualizing anything like my poems, like. 
you can come back to it at any time. Of course. And actually find that like I'm sure what I'm... you're doing is entirely different and exciting in a new way because you've changed the person. Yes, yes. Dep- like that when I quit my job and I got in therapy and um, this is 2017, quit my job, got in therapy, started doing construction with Chris, laying tile at, at Chris and Lisa's house. And when I, when I started working, like after this experience with construction, my drawings changed in like this more, my drawings were always very free, you know, and, and then, then came in this like more structure and stuff. And so, yes, my experience as a human influences the paintings and drawings that I make, but I think I'm about to have another explosion. Of paintings and drawings, I'm I'm yeah. here for it. But I know I'm saying a lot because I'm because of the, the the comedy. I signed up for an open mic night. I found that Cap City Comedy Club in the domain now mm. does their open mic sign up system by just online. Huh. You sign up online for the following week, and they release the list on Sunday, and the show is on Tuesday, and it starts at eight p.m. How exciting. So that's promising. I mean, I'm a, I might not get picked, but I'll sign up every week that I'm going to be available on that Tuesday. Now I'm looking into this some other places. Well, yeah. we'll know in advance the, if you got picked or not. Yeah, we'll know in advance. You got to let me know. The Creek in the Cave does a bunch of open mics, but most of them start at like 10 o'clock or later. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so right now, the only impediment to doing that is like, again, time. Where is Again, the- I am not doing open mic nights because I've been coaching baseball. Because the Creek in the Cave was a bar in Long Island City that I used to go to. Yeah, and that's... Uh, I'm pretty sure that's... Where is that located? Uh, it's The Austin version? It's right across from Empire on 7th. Like, right around the corner from Waller Creek. I think it was... <sighs> what did that place used to be? Red 7? Oh, right, right, right there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Seventh and like Waller Creek. I don't, you know, between yeah. Red River and the highway. Yeah. So. Yeah, right across from Empire Control Room. I get it. Are you cool. are you brushing your hair right now to make me feel bad about my baldness? <laughs> Is that what you're doing? <laughs> that's are exactly, you are you? That's exactly your lovely, <laughs> luscious, long, beautiful red hair. The, yes, that's exactly what went through Just my Just reminding head. me I that said, I'm bald? I said, man, <laughs> this is going to be driving Matthew crazy right now. Just watching me comb and brush I my used head. to do that. I remember having a brush. Do you know this? Okay, here's here's the poem for the day. Okay. I went to the animal fair. The birds and the beasts were there. The big baboon by the light of the moon was combing his auburn hair. The monkey, he got drunk. And sat on the elephant's trunk. The elephant sneezed and fell on his knees. But what became of the monk, the monk, the monk? That's the poem for today? <laughs> <laughs> Do you want another poem or is that good enough? Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's pretty good. I want, I, want to, I want to kvetch for just one more second. Yeah, let's kvetch quick, by all means. Quick. We certainly have... Uh, we certainly have some catching up to do. Uh, and uh, I, apologies I, to you, the listener... We've been, we've both been so busy, Matthew and I. Um, well, this is the, the kvetching is about that. Like we started the remodel. Yeah. And we're like, um, really just, we are just like a week and a half in, but so much has happened. And then the week leading up to the start of it was moving everything out of our kitchen and our part of our garage and our. Our, our art studio and man, I had no idea how much stuff we're in our, our kitchen cabinets, you know, <laughs> so much stuff. But right now our life, our lives are just like splat chaos. <laughs> yeah. Stuff is here. Stuff is there. Stuff I'm still needs to, stuff still needs to be moved. We're trying to live in half of the house. Then we've got our, our, annex. I'm calling it the annex. It's the kitchen across the street. And listen, it's working out fine. But like right now, I'm trying to find a groove and I is a mess and I've had a chaotic day and I'm wearing a shirt that needs to be 
ironed. I put on the shirt and I was like, that's about right. That's my life right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. Tell me again what's going on. Are your friends across the street out of town? or No. The Joel, who's 75, raised his daughters in this house. He's a widower. He, um, he's got this garage apartment. Uh, a finished out garage apartment okay. that, they, that he really just got finished a couple of years ago. And it's got a nice little kitchenette in it. And so we've moved our kitchen table over there. And now we are, our lives revolve around. I know there are other people who might could figure it all out with just like <sighs> grab and go and take out and whatever. But we cook our food. No, yeah, you guys and, do cook. Yeah. And that's a and, good thing. And so like I, I get up and I go across the street and I start getting the breakfast ready. And when they get up, they come over and then. But we're spread out. But it's also like, it's a little, like, I already am having this European feeling where it's more walking, mm-hmm. you know? Not, oh, that, not that I don't do a ton of walking anyway, but like, I'm walking immediately. And then it's a little weird, like your kitchen being out of your living space. You're like not tempted to snack as much and stuff. And so anyway, that's happening. And I feel insane. And that's part of the reason why we haven't done a podcast. And so I had, I'd said in the intro, my shirt is rumpled. And we can talk more about that later. I didn't want to get out of the podcast without yeah. making reference to something that we made reference to in the <laughs> intro. And people are like, they never talked about that. They never even said anything else about it. I don't need it. Well, I appreciate you uh, clearing me up on that. But anyway, so now, also, now our permanent podcast home, the back porch, is no more. It's a little bit of an existential crisis for me, but. There will be a back deck when it's done, so hopefully we can take it back to my backyard at some point. I hope so, but, yeah. um, In the meantime, the Ivy Covered Casa. It's the Ivy Covered Casa. That's our new spot. So here we are. Always available. We've got to. We have to change this just a little bit because when I'm sitting back in the settee, mm-hmm. I'm so far away from the computer. I feel like we might need to just pull this a little over over here next time. Is that possible? That's doable. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't. I you know. Uh, I don't want to upend your life just because mine's a chaotic shite show. Speaking of next time, John Cotter has reached out and said, "Hey, when uh, when can we do a show?" Okay, so John let's, Cotter, let's do it. Do I know him? Uh, he's my friend who mysteriously went deaf. Oh yeah, okay. He wrote the book about it. Right, so. great. Well, I, I was telling Stafford Gunning about our podcast, and he was like, "How can I get on there?" And I was like. Listen, maybe you should listen to it first before you agree to go on it. It's pretty fun that oh he's God. that excited. About I know. It, so. I said, listen, I appreciate the vote of confidence, but shout out to Stafford if he's listening. I also told him, I said, look, don't go and listen to the first episode. And he goes, you don't tell me where to start. Oh, listen to it. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's fine. I mean, he can do people, he can do a Nicholas and start. Some people like to be completionist. Is this Lady Gaga in a a pharmaceutical ad? Yeah. I, oh my <laughs> God. What the hell is wrong with, oh my God. I've got this whole bit about the pharmaceutical ads. Uh, yeah, I recall. And, yeah. and I used to have a ton of respect for Lady Gaga. Hey, you know, everybody's got to get their cake. Okay, that's fine. Whatever. You know, okay. all her music gets streamed, so she doesn't get paid for that. Okay. That's right. Well, I I mean, I do think it's interesting. Like, that's, she must be very secure in her brand. Seems beyond the pain you know? to me. Yeah. I mean, for this reaction. I don't have this reaction, but I imagine a lot of people are like you. Like, sure. What are you doing? Why would you do that? I mean, she seemed like an artist who's so true to, you know, her little monsters. Yeah. Whatever. Okay. But I think, yeah, the, in this day and age, musicians don't get paid for their music. You know, there's no record sales. Yeah. Well, neither do podcasters don't get paid for their art. Hopefully you can tour. Hopefully you can put put ads in your podcast. Hopefully. We're we're moving in that direction. Okay. Listen, we love you. You need to say anything else? Do we need to read a poem? Yeah, we need to read a poem. I did the intro, so I'm reading the poem. Why don't you find a poem back there somewhere? Where's the summer browning? Uh, I got it out the last time I was here. It's probably in one of these studs. Dang um, just get a different okay. book of poems. Okay. Uh, what's, show uh, me one that's a book of poems. I wanted to give a shout out to uh, that pink one there. Is, wait. 
Oh, that's rotten raw. I wanted to give a shout out to new listener Marina. I don't know if she's listening or not, but I gave her a ride to the airport and she definitely subscribed. And we'll see. Maybe she. Uh, over there, the top left, top left shelf next to the record player mm -hmm. is all poems. This is all I think. poems here? I think, yeah. And so it's really going to turn into like the fates. I'm going for another pink one. Oh, yeah. That's actually, that's John Carter's wife, Elisa Gabbard. Or Maybe this just poems by Chris Tonelli. Oh, never mind. That's Chris Tonelli. <laughs> I thought that was Elisa's book. The Trees Around. I love Chris Tonelli. Okay. <laughs> okay, this is, uh, this is a chapter that says, For people who like gravity and other people. <laughs> <laughs> and this one's called... Uh, could, you, could you give me the light again? I this can, one's called yeah. Self-Portrait in a Wavy Puddle. I don't know if you guys knew this, but the uh, ivy-covered castle is low light. Okay, oh, yeah. this one's it. called Self-Portrait in a Wavy Puddle. Gravitron sees his own colored bulbs pulsing in the vacant dawn and realizes he is something that, had, that has never happened. An idea of the future had by the past. Ah, the good old-fashioned future, Gravit Gravitron thinks to himself, feeling a sense of calm wash over. Existence is the same as non-existence. He knows that the sky in the puddle is as endless as the sky in the sky. Filled with confidence, Gravitron imagines the first potential rider walking through the gates and thinks, get on, lean against the wall. Is that eerily appropriate for our, for our episode? I think so, as okay. they often are. I love that's from a he, he, huh. he wrote a short collection of poems that were obvious as you can tell from that from the point of view of the rides at the carnival. This is from a publisher who has an office in Austin, Birds LLC. Yeah, Birds LLC. Yeah. I can't remember who's their who their Austin it's fascinating person is. Well, boy, once again, the poem really gave us some legitimacy. I think that I've sent them my my latest manuscript a couple of times. They've passed on it. Okay, well, I, well, let's find the office. I burn it to the ground. <laughs> I don't hold that against them at all. Let's hope I don't get in any trouble for threatening a publisher. <laughs> no, nobody cares about poetry okay. publishers. All right. me. We love you. We're going to watch the football game now. The poor, the choices. The sweeter the wine. Tell me, please, rolling zoo, 
me and my baby gonna have some fun. Bury our bags in a bit of clover. Smile and style when the sun goes down. Stick eyes cry. Boxcar side. Old sevens in the middle are just a wondering why. Dark don't lie. Dreams come true. All it takes is one or two. Maybe just a few will see you through.